Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and plants and pets that are important to you. I had to help my mom out with a couple things this week. I had to take her for eye surgery. Now, obviously, the doctor didn't want her to drive herself. And it wasn't major surgery or anything, and she wasn't worried at all. The way my mother described it was that they had to increase pressure in one of her eyes. But it was just day surgery, and it, and it took maybe two hours. Uh, then I had to bring her to a follow-up appointment the very next day. And mind you, this is all being done around the regular stuff I have to do every day. Walking the dog, going to the gym, editing my next book, and working my regular full-time job. So by the time I finished an eight-hour shift at my regular day job, on top of everything else I'd done those days when I was helping my mom, I was beat. And I don't know about you, but I am not the kind of person who has a drink after work. I tried that once with some friends, and I get it. You instantly slip out of that work mode into a much more relaxed state of being. And the time I tried it, which was probably well over 10 years ago, I immediately understood why it's such a common practice among people with jobs. But I am not a drinker. The last time I had a drink was probably... Last summer, when I went for a swim at a friend's house, and he gave me a beer. Now, my routine since working from home due to COVID has been to watch TV or YouTube to unwind after work. And I like to watch stand-up comedy. Uh, this week after work, I found myself watching a lot of Cat Williams. And uh, there are a ton of Cat Williams stand-up specials out there. And that guy gives 100% of himself on stage. Like... You have never seen a stand-up comedian work so hard. Now, I'm talking about his whole body, man. He paces around the stage. He runs from one side of the stage to the other and slides. He's using the mic stand as a prop. He's using the mic as a prop. He's even got, like, a, a stool on the stage that he's using as a prop. And he's funny, man. Not in, like, a set-up punchline, set-up punchline sort of way, but, like, just his attitude and his fearlessness, man. That's the key, man. That's the key that Cat Williams is fearless. I, I truly believe you can't be great unless you are fearless. And this is why Republicans will never be funny. Their entire ideology is based on fear. You show me a funny conservative and I guarantee you they are not funny. They are most likely angry. It's easy to be angry when you're afraid because fear is the cousin of anger. Just like... Uh, just like sleep is the cousin of death. Hit it, Nas. Folks, you are listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. There are no ads on People Are the Enemy, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily... And get yourself, or the reader in your life, some quality literature? Please consider purchasing one or two of my books. I'm the author of nine novels that are all currently available in both ebook and paperback formats via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find all nine of my stories in ebook format at Google Play. Just type my last name, which is spelled M A S C O L A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you prefer paperbacks, but you don't patronize Amazon, you can find most of my books in paperback format at barnesandnoble.com. bn.com if you're nasty. If you've already purchased any or all of my novels, 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. People Are the Enemy listeners, this is episode 223 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Holy moly, are you in the right spot. Thank you so much for checking it out. Thanks for spending time with me. It's good to see you. Good to have you along. You're looking well. Oh dear, I hope everything is going all right in your life. My goodness, my goodness, what a week, huh? Holy moly, we're into April, dudes. We're into the thick of it. And dudettes and others. Hey, I wanted to play something that uh, was kind of cool. I was, uh, I found this earlier in the week. Somebody had posted it on Twitter, and... I say found it. I mean, it's it's archival footage of Mark Bolin, okay, who is the singer guitarist from the band T Rex, okay, glam glam rock, right, from the early seventies, okay. Really, really amazing, amazing music. If you don't know T Rex, check it out, okay. I can't recommend T Rex enough. I found out late in life about T Rex. I don't know why. I uh, just ignored it, but uh, I discovered Electric Warrior and I lost my mind. I was like, holy crap. And I'm not, I, you know, I could lie to you and say I was like, I was there, you know, right at the beginning of my early teen years. But no, I was definitely in my 30s. You know, it was late. It was late to discover T-Rex. So, but I'm telling you, it, Mark Bolin, T-Rex, amazing. Okay. And if you don't know about the story about Mark Bolin, he died, I believe, when he was you know, in his 20s, you know what I mean? And, and, and it was like 1977. Anyway, I, somebody had posted this, this, um, this clip of him on a talk show, and uh, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm going to play it for you now, because in this clip, he actually predicts his demise. Now, oh, hang on a second, it's playing here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to, like, kind of narrate it while we listen to it together, but I think you're going to dig this. This is really cool. So this is a talk show. Mark Bolin is being interviewed by a host. It looks almost like daytime TV, but who knows? It's England in 1972, you know, just because it looks like American daytime TV doesn't mean it necessarily was. Okay, and there's a full studio audience there, and he's fielding questions, meaning Mark Bolin is fielding, fielding questions from the audience. Okay, so here, Mark Bolin uh, starts talking, and I am going to, I'll tell you again when other things happen here as far as who's speaking so you know, because it's somewhat visual, okay? All right, here's Mark Bolin. You know, can anyone, what do you think a pop star is? Can anyone say? Just as on a flash. Come on, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Don't cut it out. Oh, I'm working. Okay, so he asked, what does, what is their impression of a pop star? He said, and he's, he's fielding questions and, and he says he wants to know what their impression of a pop star is. And, and he asked the audience and the first thing someone says in the audience is hardworking. Now a fellow raises his hand. Now this is a, now listen to this. I was going to say, well, that, well, that's nice. That meant it is, really, it is, I think it's, it is a job. I mean, people right. think that it's, you just go into the studio and it, and, uh, a couple of hours, it's all over. It's not like that at all. Is it? I mean, it's, not it's damn hard work. It really right. is. But isn't everything, though? Yes. Oh, right. yes. Yeah, but that's no... People have this... 
Now that's interesting to me. I, I don't know I don't know if the perception of a pop star in 2022 would be that it's hard work. I don't know if that's the first thing that somebody would say. I think anybody who saw the performance of Gunna and Future on SNL, what was it last week? Oh my god. Wow, talk about phoning it in. What a horrible, horrible performance. Just so boring. You you know, you see these the, these rappers and they, there's a, a lot of ostentatious jewelry and the lifestyle and the car and the outfits and everything. And you say, oh, yeah, that's because none of the money is going into the production or the presentation. Okay, all right, sorry. I didn't mean to go off on that tangent. Let's listen to some more of this. Here we go. So Mark Boland, obviously, is flattered that this guy thinks it's hard work. Okay, here we go. Illusion about, you get, I don't know, you get someone and, and they always print the things in the papers about all these millions of pounds that people make. I mean, they would probably say about him and about lots of people. And it's all... <laughs> yeah, but the illusion is what keeps, is, is what keeps, sustains you in a certain position. The illusion is what... That's the that's the interviewer. He's saying the illusion is what sustains you, meaning the illusion of a of a pop singer. The the um, um, well, you know the, the 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 glittery stuff, right? Okay, so so yeah, here's the interviewer talking. In fact, makes people buy your records and listen to you and scream at you and shout at you. It's a carefully constructed illusion. It's not something that you would throw away lightly. No, no, it's not carefully constructed. It's artistic. I mean. Um, I don't know. The last year for me has been very weird because I did what those people did and I now do what I do now. I have, I'd never believed in security and I still don't. Um, I feel I do what I do to people that want to listen. If they don't want to listen, crap them. I don't care. Right? I do it because I believe in it and I'm giving everything I can. And you get to a point, it's very proud, you get, and you do it. And if people boot you, I mean, I'm a pretty rascal. And it's like you do it and that's what I do it for. What I get back is incidental. Someone says, like, that new LP thing, right? It's, we did 100,000 in a day. I mean, you which, sold 100,000 mm -hmm, Which is a lot of records, but I don't think of that. I just, I can still see each person going in the shop. That's because for years I used to, like, steal records and nick things out of my mum's gas box and stuff to buy records, right? Yeah. So I can still relate to that. Yeah. Do you, yes, Russell. Do you ever wake waking up in the middle of the night? It's a question you must this think the times before. Asking. Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and think... In another 20 or 30 years, I'm going to be 50 or 60. What shall I be doing? You shake his head no. Never think about it. I mean... Um, Doesn't hold to you. Well, so, what did someone say something with a very deep voice, like Lord Tennyson? Just <laughs> trying to avoid the question. It doesn't hold to you, definitely. Um, I don't think I'll live that long. You don't? No. Well, I hope you live long enough to come back some other time and carry on with part two, whenever that may be. Mark Dillon, thank you very much. Wow. Wow, man, I just, my, I lost my mind when I heard that. I was like, holy crap. I don't think I'll live that long. Can you imagine? First of all, to have like, to be able to see that much outside of yourself, to, to know, understand that it's, you know, it's an illusion and to not deny, you know, that it is an illusion. But he also says it is art. And he says he doesn't give a damn about uh, what people said about the records, whether they liked them or whether they didn't like them, he was going to produce his art. But uh, to then be asked that question and to try to avoid it, as you see, kind of did, because somebody did speak up in the audience, but uh, but the interviewer pressed, and uh, for him to say that he doesn't think he's going to live that long, that just floored me, guys. Holy moly. Wow. Wow. Mark Bolin. 
You know, it, I don't know if you know this story. I, I, I read a lot of music bios, and, and uh, I read the, the bio of, uh, we'll just say he's the, uh, the former lead singer of The Smiths, because I don't like to mention this fellow's name anymore. Um, I was once a, 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 a very big fan, so you know who I'm talking about. Um, but I read, I read that fella's, uh, memoir when it came out because I was still in, very interested in that person at the time. And, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. And in retrospect, it makes it even more funny because, um, he's kind of turned into a, a jerk, but, uh, he once, he told a story in that book about going up to Mark Boland and asking him for an autograph outside of a club and Mark Boland wouldn't give him an autograph. <laughs> I love that story. Uh, another funny autograph story, a friend of mine told me this, is that, like, Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols, well, another horrible human, <laughs> Sid Vicious, <laughs> but somehow I don't mind saying his name, I don't know. Uh, Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols was a huge ABBA fan and went up to uh, one of the ladies in ABBA and, and held out his hand because he wanted to autograph it and she screamed and ran away. <laughs> she screamed and ran away. Oh, I love that story. Oh my goodness, I got some stuff to talk with you about today. Um, let me uh, grab my notes here. Just be a moment. Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about Cadbury fruit and nut bars. This is not, this. look it, this is not a uh, an endorsement. This is not, I don't, there's no ads on this podcast. There's still no ads on this podcast. But listen, if anybody from Cadbury is listening and they want to like, they want to like uh, sponsor this show, I I will get behind your product. I love your chocolate. I, if it says Cadbury on it, like I'm convinced that it's better chocolate. Like even better. Like maybe even better. This is like this may be sacrilege. And and pardon me, Pennsylvania folks. Okay, but uh, you know I might like Cadbury chocolate more than I like like Hershey's. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious, man. Like you ever open a Hershey bar? Sometimes it kind of stinks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a little stinky. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get that with the Cadbury, though. I'm telling you, man. You ever had those Cadbury, like, the Robin's eggs, the mini ones that are just, like, they kind of got, like, that rough exterior, man, and just, like, they're solid chocolate? Oh, my God. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about here. Honestly, this is what I do sometimes if I feel like I want to treat myself. Like, I feel like, you're working really hard, man. You deserve something nice, and you've got a lot of chores to do today, and how, what about, how about treating yourself to something nice? And what I'll get is this thing that you can find at any CVS or Walgreens or, or what have you, or even, a, you know, obviously you can find it. I usually go to find them at CVS, but you can find it at Walgreens, uh, Rite Aid, right? Any kind of supermarket. And they're called Cadbury Fruit and Nut Bars. And it's, in essence, it's a chunky. You know what I mean? It's chocolate, right? With raisins and almonds. And that's it. It's very simple. But I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, the Cadbury chocolate is so good. Like, that's good quality chocolate. And I, I can't say anybody would concur with that, you know, because there's a lot. Like, Hershey. I like Hershey. I do. I do like Hershey, honestly. But, you know, I'm telling you, sometimes I open a Hershey bar and I'm kind of like, this is kind of stinky. <laughs> like, like, literally smells. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's got kind of a weird scent to it. But yeah, man, I had a Cadbury fruit and nut bar the other day, and it was just, woo, I was like, oh, I had it. I was like, hey, and I was just like, hey, you know what I mean? Just because it picks me up, man. That's a lot of sugar to put in your system. You know what I mean? One of those bars, and they're big, man. They're not small. You know what I mean? And they're thick. They're good stuff, man. It's funny, because like my wife, she knows, and I didn't even say anything about it, but I think like the day after I'd had one and like bought one for myself, like she brought me one home. <laughs> she said, oh, I got you something I thought you'd like, a Cadbury fruit nut bar. And I was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that was so nice of you to think of me. 
like, I'm thinking to myself, oh, two in one day, <laughs> you know, but no, I like, I put it aside and, and honestly, like I, I, I was able to like contain myself at least for like a couple days. And then I, 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 I had like a craving and I was like, you know what? I'm going to have that Cadbury fruit and nut bar today. I'm going to hit it. And yeah, I got it and I took it and uh, man, it hit the spot again, man. You can't go wrong. Listen. I'm telling you, anybody went from Cadbury want to like, uh, oh, and Cadbury cream eggs, come on, man, right? I know sometimes you get a bad one, but honestly, and the caramel eggs, yeah, they're all good, all good. Okay, I'm telling you, anybody who wants, like, Cadbury, you want to sponsor this podcast at all, I will I will speak glowingly of your product forevermore, even though I just mentioned that, you know, Cadbury cream eggs aren't always 100% great, but even when they're bad, they're still great. How's that? That doesn't sound good. I'm sure that's not going to jive. Oh, man. You know what I do? I get I get a lot of stickers. I'm looking around. I'm looking around this uh, my studio here, right? And uh, I, and I collect a lot of stickers because I you know I order a lot of things online. I order a lot of mail order stuff. And uh, like MoveOn.org sends me a lot of stickers. Like they'll send me great things. Like this one over here. Hang on a second. Let me get this one. I gotta go down here. Yeah, this one. It just says "End Gun Violence," right? It's a black sticker with like yellow print on it. And I put you know I know what I'll do is like I'll take these stickers that they send me and they send them for free. And I'll put them on things. You know, another one says, like, uh, give us the, the, the voting rights. And it shows, like, a picture of Martin Luther King. You know, like, all the super lib stuff, right? That that moveon.org is, you know, it's propaganda, essentially. But they send it out for free. I'm like, hey, I'll take that. You know what I mean? I'm dying to get this other one. I got one that, that says, uh, there's one coming that says, I read banned books. <laughs> I can't wait to put that one on my car. I have no stickers on my car, but I'm thinking, like, I'll put that one on my car. Another one I got one called Tax the that says Tax the Rich. That's on a backpack. <laughs> So, but I got a lot of these that, like, I don't do anything with. And, like, they, you know, they sit around. And I'm thinking, like, what should I do with these stickers? And I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm thinking I should start. This is terrible. I'm thinking, like, I'm going to start making videos. And and I'm outing myself ahead of time, okay? Because because if anybody, list, list, like, who I did this to is listening to this podcast, you know, they're going to know I've, I've, I've incriminated myself. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of making videos, where I put them over, like, Trump bumper stickers. Because I still see Trump bumper stickers. Listen, I know, like, in certain parts of the country, like, they're probably really prevalent. Here, they're not so much. I mean, I live in New England. It's not as prevalent. Thank God. But, like, if I see one, like, on the back of a truck or something, I just, like, I'm like, what? I would really love to put, like, just a, a counter sticker, like, over it. So, like, <laughs> like, like, uh, congratulations, Katanji Brown-Jackson, you know? <laughs> <laughs> something to make them furious, you know what I mean? Something to, to uh, uh, you know, just like, whatever you can think of. I got ones over here. Here's one. These were sent to me from um, uh, um, Ryan, who's been on this show. Uh, hetero heterosexual is no longer the default. <laughs> That'd be a great one to put on some conservatives' car, right? Stop calling the cops. Make the police obsolete. <laughs> Those aren't those aren't moveon.org. Those are supplied by uh, Related Records by Ryan at Related Records. Um, thank you, Ryan. By the way, he's like whenever he sends me stuff, he and, I'm, and mind you, I'm giving him cash for things because I love Related Records, great record label, by the way. And and if you ever if you ever happen upon uh, My Name Is Ryan, uh, anything by My Name Is Ryan, that's how he 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 calls his musical project. Uh, pick it up. It's very good. He's, he's, he's a one of a kind for sure. And a talented young man for sure. As a young man, he's younger than me, but, uh, yeah, man, very, very cool. Uh, and maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't, but honestly, I've got these leftover stickers and I think about it. I think like I could, I could probably just like show hands, like, 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 like peeling a sticker and putting it over like 
It's like really conservative sticker, and uh, without any commentary, like look, look at, look at this video I found on the internet. <laughs> so if you ever see me post something like that, it's not me, okay? <laughs> so this is not. I, I did not just out myself. I did not incriminate myself. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna keep this one short, guys. Okay, because we got another whole segment for you, and uh, I got another couple shows to do this month, and. Uh, and I want you to uh, enjoy the rest of the shows. And listen, because up next, keep listening, because Rachel's Chart Chat with Rachel from Des Moines is up next. Here it is. Thanks, Andy. And welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the new and improved audio clips. For the 70s chart this week, Sirius takes us back to April 3rd of 1971. And to my eye, this chart has an interesting number of quote-unquote other songs by artists known for one big signature song that came out earlier. Now, I'm not going to get into the one-hit wonder discussion again, but for example, just to start us off, there's a country singer called Jeannie C. Riley, and she had a huge hit with Harper Valley PTA in 1968. It was a country and pop number one. And she has a song on the charts this week in 71 called Oh Singer. And there's several more like that. We have The Animal Trainer and the Toad by the band Mountain, who you know from their song Mississippi Queen from 1970. And to me, they've kept the same sound as Mississippi Queen with this one, but it just lacks that certain oomph or that distinction that made Mississippi Queen such a great and timeless song. I would probably say that about the other examples too. Uh, we have Booker T and the MGs of Green Onions fame appearing with another single called Melting Pot. And it sounds great and it has that organ sound, but it just lacks that certain unique cool of Green Onions. Uh, that was back in 1962, that one came out. Then there's a group called the Ides of March, who in 1970 had a huge song called Vehicle. And again, maybe people wouldn't know the name Ides of March, but I feel like you definitely have heard that song. And then this week they have a song called LA Goodbye. And it still has the, those, this, those horns that you hear in vehicle, but I don't think they're as dramatic. And overall, the song sounds like they're trying to ape CSNY a little bit. And honestly, in listening to the early 70s charts and then in, in conjunction with hearing the Best Show spinoff podcast so far, where they went through all of the Crosby, Stills, Nash, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, and then all their assorted permutations albums, you really see how many rock and pop groups were trying to emulate the CSNY sound and their success that they had. And so I think that's what Ides of March are doing here. And you take a listen and see what you think. Next, uh, this doesn't quite fit the pattern just because Stephen Wolf has two equally huge songs, but uh, they're on the charts again this week with a song called Snowblind Friend. And it's about the pain of losing a friend to drug abuse. And I just want to point out that Styx and Black Sabbath both have songs called Snowblind and also dealing with drug addiction. Up next, uh, we have one that I really dig by the group Sugarloaf, and they're best known for the song Green Eyed Lady from 1970. They had a later song called Don't Call Us, We'll Call You, but I think that I think I mostly just know that one because it was a big special on 70s Saturday night. But for, for the purposes of our theme, we're going to say that it was Green Eyed Lady. Um, and this song is called Tongue in Cheek, and I like it because it's pretty proggy, uh, but they also get into some good grooves. And it really doesn't, to me, sound much like Green Eyed Lady, uh, but they're both good in different ways. Up next, we have King Floyd with Baby Let Me Kiss You. And his big hit before this was Groove Me in 1970. And maybe if you were like a real soul, big fan of soul music, funk music, you might say, oh, he's got like so many more great songs from the pop side of things. 
these are the groove me is kind of the big one that I know about. And then this other one, it's again, fits right in with the style. And I think if you like groove me, you'd like this one too. So that was six artists or groups that were known for some big hit that are also appearing on this chart with a, a different song. And seven, if you count Kenny Rogers in the first edition, but they had, they, I think they had a few more hits than just, I mean, everybody knows that was what condition my condition is in, but they had a few more besides that. Also notably on this chart, we have Glenn Campbell with his cover of the Roy Orbison song, Dream Baby. And in the AT40 show that they ran last Saturday, uh, Casey told a story about Glenn uh, singing for Steve McQueen in the, so in the movie, Baby the Rain Must Fall. Now, unfortunately, if you look it up now on IMDb, it says a singer named Billy Strange did his singing. So maybe it was the, that was the story back then, but then Billy Strange has got his due since then. Or maybe Glenn just did the guitar for Steve. I really don't know. Last couple of songs I want to mention, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer are charting this week. It's actually their first charting single, uh, Lucky Man. Honestly, I would lose my prog card if I skipped a chance to talk about it. And... Uh, Lucky Man reached number 48 in the USA, and it did, a, it did better in the UK and in other territories. And overall, I would say they were much more of an album band, as you could guess, than a singles band. Uh, but their first seven albums went gold in the US, and Tarkus and Trilogy both hit the top 10 on the US albums chart. The last song I want to mention is Oyo Como Va by Santana. And because we mentioned Black Magic Woman last time, and they're both off of Abraxas, so I wanted to mention that one this time too. So now turning to the 80s, uh, March 31st of 1984. I think of 84 as a strong year overall for pop music, and this is a really strong chart. Starting off, we have uh, I guess that's why they call it the blues by Elton John and people may know this one, but otherwise, you know, he has so many songs. Maybe you forget about it. I was actually at uh, a bar for karaoke one time and I don't think of Elton John as like a guy that gets karaoke, but for whatever reason, one man did an Elton John song and it just made other people go like, Oh yeah, Elton John. And they were just, a lot of people picked Elton John songs to sing that night. It was a lot of fun. And then as a fan of the St. Louis blues, you know, the, they were Stanley Cup champs in 2019, but then 2020 and 2021, they had some playoff, pretty short playoff runs. And that was kind of my song of, well, I guess that's why they call them the blues when you'd have a, a tough loss like that. Up next is Looks That Kill by Motley Crue off their album Shout at the Devil. And I was listening to this one. And I was just struck by what a, the sound that it had, almost closer to thrash than what we think of as hair metal. And I was thinking, is this their first single? And so I had to look it up. It's actually their fifth single that was released, but only the second that charted. It doesn't sound like much else on the chart. Up next is Yamo Be There by James Ingram and Michael McDonald. And I have to say, this is better than advertised by Paul Rudd and the 40-year-old virgin. It's uh, very smooth, obviously, with the two of them singing together. And it is religious, but not overly so, I don't think. So once again, you should always listen and decide for yourself. Up next, I know I said earlier there's nothing that sounds like that Motley Crue song, but honestly, we got the Scorpions here with Rocky Like a Hurricane, also some pretty great metal. And honestly, it seems to me weird that Rocky Like a Hurricane came out at a certain time or from a certain year because it just has a timeless feel to it. Great song, never a bad time for it. Up next, we have Talk Talk with It's My Life. Maybe some of you are like me and you heard the No Doubt cover first. I think the cover is great, but you really just can't beat the original. I don't know that No Doubt really did anything that different with it other than having Gwen singing it. Their cover seems pretty faithful. So if you like the cover, definitely give the original a chance. 
Up next is a song called White Horse by the band Laid Back. And this was one that I had never heard until I got Sirius Satellite Radio. And they would play it on the 80s station. And I don't know how I'd never come across it before. Um, it's a really cool song. Also, very unique. This one, there really is nothing else like this on the chart. And I don't know if it's that, like kind of quasi-drug reference, the White Horse, but... Uh, why it would not be played other other places, but it's just really cool. And it seems like the kind of song like when Trio had Da 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 and it was in that Volkswagen commercial and then everybody loved that song. This could have been used in a commercial and been another one that was brought back for another generation. I honestly don't want to know anything about Laid Back. I just want to enjoy the song. Or I don't even want to know if it really is a drug reference, but I just, I like it as it is. And I like whatever it comes on. Next up is Jeffrey Osborne with We're Going All The Way. And just in case you weren't sure he was serious, the album is called Stay With Me Tonight. This is a really nice, uh, soulful ballad. And it's got some great key changes. You gotta love that. Very enjoyable time. Next up, we have my guys from Yes with Leave It off of the Smash 90125. And also, Owner of a Lonely Heart is still on the chart this week. Still on the Hot 100 at 79, down from its peak of number one. Leave It is at number 32, and it will make it all the way to 24. So pretty respectable. Now the video for this one, if, if you were around in the 80s, you might remember it. It was done by Godly and Cream, and it's very technical using computer graphics. Unfortunately, it's to me, it's not that interesting, which is kind of unfair to judge it with 2020s eyes from an 80s video. But I think the song is great, but I don't think that the video would necessarily make me like the song more. And... When they made this video, there was actually 18 different versions that were made, and apparently all 18 were shown back-to-back -back on MTV when it premiered, and then there was one that was the, the official video that got played. Next is the group Manfred Mann's Earth Band with the song The Runner, and this was originally written and performed by Ian Thomas, and that is the brother of comedian and actor Dave Thomas, and Ian also became an actor himself, and I first knew him as a cast member on The Red Green Show, but Ian Thomas wrote this for a biopic on Canadian amputee runner Terry Fox. It was a song for the movie. And it was kind of funny because the first time I heard The Runner, I felt like this should, feels like it should be from a movie. And lo and behold, it was. The Ian Thomas version, that is. But And that was actually called just Runner. And then when Manfred Band did it, it was The Runner. Really like this one. Next is Give It Up by KC and the Sunshine Band, or sometimes just credited as KC. So the last single they had that really did anything was uh, Please Don't Go in 79. And then it was the very first number one of 1980. And then... Uh, this give it up kind of still that still that sound but it just also a good one i didn't know about this one till a few years ago i actually heard about it on tumblr i think that's it take a look at this chart the in my opinion the top 15 of this chart are songs that people know songs that survive that people know tell me what you think have a look start at number one scroll down and when you don't recognize one put your hand up and you might make it all the way to 15 all right that's all for me thanks so much back to you andy Thank you, Rachel. Holy moly! Rachel wasn't kidding when she said 1984 was a strong year for pop music. Wow, what a chart. There's some great stuff on there. I remember that White Horse song by Laid Back. I used to hear that on terrestrial radio when I was a kid. And uh, I remember it standing out because it was unlike anything else. <laughs> like, it was truly, truly different. I mean, it would be usually squeezed into like a set with like disco you know, in the 80s, and uh, 
I'd hear it and I'd be like, what the hell is this about? Like, I had no idea. Obviously, as a kid, you don't understand that it it's uh, vaguely a drug reference, I suppose. But uh, yeah, man. And just, uh, just very, very different. And I got to say, man, I never got, I, you know, I'm not too into Prague. I'm not a, a Prague guy. I know Rachel's hugely into Prague. But uh, I loved that Yes song, Leave It. I loved it. And uh, Owner of a Lonely Heart, like that whole, <laughs> and I, maybe real Prague folks don't consider that era of, of Yes as like, you know, peak Yes, obviously, because, you know, it was more, more, I guess, pop oriented. But uh, for me, that's just when I, when I'd heard them first and I had, I'd had no idea, obviously, as a kid about, you know, uh, Yes prior to that. And, uh, you know, obviously they're, their, their prog roots, so to speak. I only knew them from their pop hits. And, uh, yeah, I gotta talk about Motley Crue, too. Holy crap. I, I would have sworn 1984 was the first year that Motley Crue had a single. I can't believe that they were, they had a, you know, a hit that early. 1984 seems like way too early for Motley Crue in my mind, but I suppose, I suppose they were, you know, they were trying to, uh, trying to make a name for themselves that early, but wow, in uh, 1984, it just, just baffles my mind that, uh, that they were still pushing it out that early. Uh, man, oh man, guys, that's, that's about it for the show. Thank you, thank you so, so much for tuning in. This has been episode 223 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.